This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast. My name is Carl Valeri, and I'm your host today. We have a really special guest in this episode. We're going to discuss the pros and cons of accelerated flight training, plus receive an update from a friend of the podcast, Dan Freeman. Dan's the host of Accelerated Flight School Podcast, easy for me to say, where he describes his career change and also training experience. Currently, Dan is a flight attendant with a major airline and has many years of experience in the air and now in the cockpit. Well, before we get started, though, a couple of announcements. When this comes out, I will actually be at the Region 9 SafeCon NIFA event at Auburn University. Now, what is that? That's the National Intercollegiate uh, Flight Association. Uh, this is basically the flight teams at colleges. Since I'm going to be gone for the week, we will not be coming out with a podcast, uh, but stay tuned. We may have a special edition from Auburn University at SafeCon, and hopefully we'll be able to inspire you to possibly get involved with, you know, in your college or at your school, a flight team, because it's a really, really uh, unique type of uh, process event and a wonderful way to learn more about aviation and also, you know, interact with other people that are really into flying and competing. Also, the other important thing about competitions, it teaches you how to win and win with integrity and be, you know, in your life, in your career in aviation, you're going to be competing with many other people. There's only one number one, one number two, and one number three. And you'll learn that lesson, and you'll also learn how to go out throughout your career uh, and also throughout your competitions with integrity. Anyway, moving on to uh, our discussion today. Today I have with me Dan Freeman from the, the Accelerated Flight School podcast. It's an awesome podcast. If you can't get a chance, check it out, acceleratedflightschoolpodcast.com. And here is Dan. Dan, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Carl. I appreciate you having me here. And I do wish I had a shorter name for my my podcast, because I can't say it either. <laughs> no, it's, you know it's interesting though. It's a it is it's a perfect name. Accelerated flight training, uh, accelerated flight school uh, podcast. It, it, we want to get that word accelerated in there because that's a really really important point, especially within your podcast. And you've been doing this for a while, but uh, for. People that are new to our podcast here, uh, it's at uh, episode 140 when we actually spoke with you last. So, you know, rewind, take a look at that episode. And Dan, that was actually in May of uh, May 25th of 2017. So we actually have gone, you've gone through a lot since then. So have I, things have been going on, but you've really uh, blasted through some of the ratings. So kind of give us a summary. Where are you? Where were you and where are you now? All right. Well, I so a brief history for me. I started uh, 20 years ago and got my private certificate. I uh, started this program, uh, the accelerated program, in March of this year, and I, I started with doing my private over again. Um, when we spoke in episode 40, I was or 140, I was on my instrument phase uh, of this program, and and now eight months later from the beginning. Um, I'm done. I'm actually at, at the time of this recording, I have completed all of my readings. And so what are those ratings? What does it include? Well, you start out with the uh, private pilot certificate, move on to instrument. And then the, the program differs a little bit, but the general uh, path is uh, then to do, after instrument, you do the multi-engine add-on. And then you go into commercial, so you'll do commercial multi, and then you'll uh, do the commercial single add-on. And um, that completes your ratings, unless you want to go into the CFI school. 
Interesting. So you've actually, uh, I think you spoke on your podcast that you've decided to not go the CFI school route and possibly look at other options for employment. And that's where you are right now in your journey, correct? Yes, that is correct. There's there's a lot of factors uh, involved in that decision, but um, it was a hard decision to make. Um, it's still on the table as far as going into a CFI school or, or program. Um, but right now I'm hoping to just go out and actually find a job. Cool. All right. And I know you talked about this in your last episode. I can't remember the number of the episode. Uh, maybe you can share it with me, but it was a, basically about what to do with your commercial license. Yeah. In fact, I I think the episode just came out on my latest episode um, talking about, uh, I think it's number 26, uh, talking about the options for someone as a, as a new commercial pilot. And they're, they're pretty limited. Um, did you want me to kind of go through that real quick? Well, yeah, it was uh, interesting because, that, you know, we talk a lot about that on this show, and I was kind of interested in, in what you found out as far as uh, different options for, for jobs once you get your commercial pilot certificate. Yeah, those, uh, those options are, are very limited, and they are dependent on the area you live in. So uh, they're basically these options. You can go to CFI school and, be, and become an instructor. Um, you can work as a jump pilot for a skydiving outfit, if you have that in your area. You could do uh, scenic flights, so work for um, uh, a tour company to do uh, you know, tour flights. Um, you can also work as an aerial photographer, so you're going to fly someone around to uh, you know, take photographs or video of, of certain things. And then um, the last option that I find out there is um, pipeline tours. These are things people have told me about. Some of them we don't even have in Nevada. You don't have pipeline tours in Nevada. Um, so that's basically the list of things that you can do. The, the, the biggest uh, factor affecting these, um, these options is the required flight hours. A, a lot of these places are going to require uh, that, ma- that magical number of 500 hours. Um, but as we see in this industry right now, it's growing so quickly that's often um, that that 500 hours is often waived. So the options are out there. You just kind of have to look in your area for which ones are applicable. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because that 500 hours is basically based on insurance requirements. Mm-hmm. So like when we talk about getting a corporate job, some require 3,000 hours, and that's mainly because of the insurance. Now, if your relative, friend, et cetera, is the CEO of the company, they may waive that because they can get their insurance changed uh, to get you in, in there. I mean, I know of an instance where uh, this young lady, she was a pilot and wanted to work for the company, and just so happened her dad was a chief pilot. And so for them, for her, they actually were able to waive that requirement by uh, adding additional insurance. I tell you, it's all about the insurance because uh, there's, yeah. it, it really is quite a bit expensive out there. And believe me, someone who's looked at insurance and having people come on my airplane, et cetera, it really, it's tough for a company to, to justify bringing someone on with that type of experience. Uh, interesting too, Dan, uh, on, on some of our past episodes, we talked about some of the other unique options for uh, flying, like the med fly pilot that we had yeah. on and that kind of thing and it's it's really there's there's so many things out there you can think of you talked a little bit of me in your episode about uh, doing aerial survey and photography and all so we could talk a whole episode on just what kind of jobs are out there uh, after you get your ratings um, 
With that said, interestingly enough, and I'd like to make this comment, a lot of folks go out and and do some of these commercial jobs or find some of these commercial jobs where they're able to fly at a limited number of hours like they have with like 250 to 500. Sometimes, um, and I've been counseling a few of these folks, they actually circle back to get their CFI. And one of the reasons is some of those operators, you have to really do your research because they may not have the hours that you need like, for instance, if you're looking to get 50 to 60 hours a month, you might not get that with certain operators. Some operators sometimes only get 10 hours a month. They might get 50 and 60 in the in really the, the season that's really, you know, popular and a season that's actually, you know, really busy. But now, certain times of the year, they might be hardly flying at all. So you have to really look into that. With that said, those jobs usually, though, pay fairly well and they have benefits. So there's pluses and minuses to everything. Uh, but yeah, we I have had people circle back around to doing the, the flight training, that type of thing. Um, so anyway, so that's great. Dan, I like that episode. I think it was episode, uh, was it 26? Yeah, Jobs yeah. for New Commercial Pilots. Definitely, I'll have a link to that in this show. Um, interesting stuff. You have, I've been following you along your journey, and it's been really interesting. And what's really cool is you're able to share some of your uh uh, you know, experiences in your accelerated flight training. We're going to talk today about some of the advantages and disadvantages of accelerated flight training. We're going to talk uh, not about specific schools, but about experiences, you know, I've had, Dan's had, and also some of the experiences, some of the people that I've worked with uh, in the past as far as, you know, their careers. So, so Dan, let's, let's talk a little bit about the advantages of some of the accelerated flight training programs. What are some of the advantages? Well, I think the first advantage is right there that the first word of the program is accelerated. So like like myself as an example, you're going to get all of your ratings out of the way in, in six to nine months in some of these programs. So as we all know in this industry, if you're, if you're looking to go into the uh, commercial um, airline industry, um, we all know that, that um, seniority is the backbone of, of our lives as a, as a commercial airline pilot. So – um, the sooner you get in, the sooner you start making the money, the sooner you start getting the better schedules, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everything is based off of that. So th- that's one of the main advantages is you're going to get into that seniority as quickly as possible. Uh, the other thing is that – well, I kind of base my suggestions um, for people looking into accelerated programs off of uh, three different things, uh, funding, agent time, and other commitments. Um, so we can go into those at another time, but – um, as far as the advantages go, uh, if you if you're someone who has other commitments um, in life, so if you have children, maybe another job, um, like myself, I I had an entire life that was just set. It was good. Um, we we functioned off of two incomes, and in order to make this decision, I had to eliminate one of those incomes, basically not work at all. So the accelerated program allowed me to get through this phase of this this. Uh, part of my life quickly so that that time where i'm not making any money was limited and that that program offered uh, me that advantage as well whereas you know like a, a what i call air quotes a traditional method of learning is going to take you maybe uh one and a half to three years to get all those same certificates well that's that's time that i didn't have of, uh, of not making money i didn't have that much time so um, that's another advantage of of the accelerated programs. Uh, one other thing I'd like to mention is that a lot of these accelerated programs they're they're all encompassing. so they they've got everything set out 
and ready to go, and it's just bam, 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 done. You don't have to worry about, well, oh, man, this flight school doesn't have a a multi-engine aircraft, so I'm going to have to go somewhere else during that phase. It's all set out. It's all done. It's all ready to go. So it's, um, it's very convenient in that respect as well. So those three things you mentioned are something maybe we could expand upon a little bit. One of the really important things you said was funding. Uh, Tell us some of the advantages in these programs as far as funding is concerned. Yeah, I think funding is probably the biggest barrier of entry into this in this industry. Um, it's definitely not easy and and or cheap uh, to get into this industry. So um, you're looking at anywhere between fifty to a hundred thousand dollars. It's a big range. It depends on where you're going and what certificates you're trying to get. It's a lot of money, and it's uh, very difficult for people to even start their trip down this road because they don't know where that money's going to come from. So one of the advantages of these accelerated programs is they offer, uh, even some of them offer federal funding. So you're basically opening the door for people to get into flight training. And this, I will tell you that I would not be here if the program that I chose didn't offer this federal funding option. So, uh, and what that means is that you're going to get a loan for the entire amount of your flight training, and you're going to get that loan at a at a, um, a decent rate, and the term of the loan is going to be anywhere between 12 and 15 years for your payback. That allows you, uh, or someone who is limited on income, to be able to afford that monthly payment once they have to start making it. So imagine getting a personal loan um, with a five-year term for, term for $75,000. I, I couldn't afford to do that. So... That alone is is eliminates that barrier of entry um, for a lot of people, and that's why a lot of people are choosing accelerated programs right now. So that funding uh, a comment you made, let's put a little flesh to that, just to as an example. So Dan works for an airline as a flight attendant, okay, and he you're say ten, twelve years, you're going to pay off this loan. If you look at ten years from now uh, in your flying career in your projection as to where you will be in general, just if you're listening right now, think about this and and we'll use Dan as an example. If you were to compare where you are and where you would be 10 years from now at the airline you're working for, there would be a a difference in salary. And that difference in salary, from what I can tell is going to be quite dramatic. Uh, so I, I mean, I was estimating probably, you know, within a hundred to $150,000 difference. So what, what would your estimate be so that we can maybe put some flesh to this? Oh, sure. I've definitely looked at this many times over at, at the company that I currently work for now as a flight attendant, the, the first year, first officer is going to make, um, if they work their minimum 72 hours, I think it is, um, they're going to make $70,000 a year. Now, Myself as a flight attendant, I'm six years in, right? So uh, if if I project that I would get to that position as a first officer at the airline I'm working for in five years, I would be roughly, when I started this, I was five years in, I'd be roughly 10 years in as a flight attendant. I would be making the same salary as a 10-year flight attendant um, as I would as a first-year first officer for that same company. So imagine five additional years of first officer pay after that. It's it's definitely going to probably double um, what my income would be um, if I would have just left everything alone and stayed a flight attendant. 
it's pretty dramatic. I mean, and then if you go into actually working more and, and making more money and the uh, upgrade, we won't even talk about upgrade. Uh, even as a first officer at a major and working a little bit extra, you're going to make a lot more money. And I think that's something you're looking at. And the reason we're mentioning this is you have to look at your payback and on that loan. And if you look at efficiency of your training, meaning efficiency, meaning from a financial perspective, becoming a pilot is very efficient. It has a great payback and the money that you put in, you will get back out of it uh, easily within 10 years. It doesn't happen, though, in the beginning. And that's actually where you are right now, Dan, is in the beginning. And, uh, you know, you talked about a little bit about uh, some of the things you said, funding and age and time and commitments. Age is another little bit of an issue for you. Uh, You're not starting this at 21. You actually have children and uh, you're a little bit older than, I don't know if you want to share your age, but, uh, you know, you you have to look at that age 65 rule. Yeah, exactly. In fact, there's an episode I just um, I just recorded. It's gonna um, it's gonna actually air the day that we're recording this episode. But um, I answered two questions, um, the same question from two different people, and it's you know is an accelerated program right for me? And one of them was, oh, Carl, I don't like to say the O word. They're seasoned in life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, <laughs> they've been around a little bit longer. Okay, so I, I, I have no problem sharing my age. Um, my grandma always said she was 26, but um, I'm 36 now. Um, so I know I don't, I don't have um, a lot of time. You know, but 25 years is still a decent amount of time. Sure. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like you said, I'm not 21 or, or 25, something like that. So I do have to consider that 65 if if I do want to go into um, you know commercial aviation uh, airlines. But um, that is definitely something to consider. So I had one person ask me, hey, I'm, you know, I'm 45. Um, is an accelerated program right for me? And I had someone ask me, who's 25? Is an accelerated program right for me? And Carl, you you wouldn't believe it, but the answers were different. Okay, you would think, oh, accelerated program, everyone should do that, but that's that's not necessarily the case. And I know we might want to get into quality of education and quality of training and quality of CFIs and accelerated programs, um, but I will tell you that. If you're considering an accelerated program, obviously funding is one of the options to consider. But age and time are, are very important to consider uh, whether or not this is the right program for you. And it's it's my belief that uh, when you consider age and time, you need to consider what you're giving up. Um, and I think that in order to get all of your ratings done in six months, you're potentially – and that's a key word – you're potentially giving up quality of education – now, I, th- I think it's pretty safe to say, it's, it, I think it's a logical argument that the education you're going to receive in six months for all these certificates, um, and what not necessarily the education, but what you're going to retain and your expertise in that is probably not going to be as good as if you spent three years doing those same certificates. A lot more time to, to put in memorizing everything and really nailing down all the information you don't necessarily have that option in six months. You just you just can't do that. A lot of that stuff that goes into your brain is gonna is gonna get pushed out with other stuff. So, uh, in, in my opinion, when you consider an accelerated flight school, you and, and you consider if you're a little bit, uh, I almost said the O word. <laughs> if you're a little <laughs> bit more seasoned, you're you're going to have to consider. Well, am I going to give up a little bit of the quality of education? Is that is that important to me? 
I like how you put that. And being someone who's a little more seasoned, uh, <laughs> I actually <laughs> went that route myself when I was deciding, because I was a little bit older, a little little younger than you are right now when I decided yeah. to make the change. And I really liked certain accelerated programs because I could get through it quickly. And I really wasn't looking so much for the quality because it was specifically for my CFI. And I just wanted to get it done because I had been teaching for years. I already know how to teach. Uh, I just want to get the CFI out of the way. Um, another thing, too, to add to that, what you said, there's uh, a, something we talk about in training. And this is one of the advantages of going to an accelerated flight school is that it gets you ready for the airlines because you're going to be drinking from a fire hose. You're going to have to learn all this stuff right away. But the person that's in the right seat as a first officer at an airline obviously doesn't have the depth of knowledge on the systems or the experience that a person that's a captain has on that same airplane. So that's that's pretty obvious. And that's kind of what we're talking about here is the depth of knowledge. Can you be a good instructor uh, when you go out and start teaching right after flight school? Sure. Will you have the depth of knowledge? No, you won't. But with somebody who's a conscientious flight instructor, they will get that knowledge. And when you're new as a flight instructor, here's some advice. Learn to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. And that you have to be extremely honest with your students. Now, there's a limit to that. You, If you're somebody who went through like an accelerated program and just got the minimums and passed everything, you're going to be lacking in some knowledge here. So you're going to have to be studying quite a bit. And it's good to point out people and say, hey, listen, I think uh, this instructor needs some more time. And I don't think I want to. I want to actually uh, spend the time with that instructor because of the fact that they've gone through, say, a program where just kind of pushed them through. Because that's another, uh, and we'll kind of vary some of the disadvantages here with the programs too. And one of the things is the fact that you know sometimes they kind of push people through. And I don't know, Dan, what your experience is, but from the people that I've been coaching and all, uh, sometimes been pressured a little bit to get past a rating that they really didn't feel comfortable with. Oh yes, and this this yeah, this is a perfect segue into the disadvantages because this is definitely something that happens out there. I think, and I really I, I haven't got an answer to this is why it's so important for them to get their students through the program as quickly as possible because we all we all know that the the purpose and, and the goal of everyone, even the company that or the school that you're attending, the goal is to get the person through the program successfully. Okay, so so pushing someone when they're not ready is not advancing towards that goal. You're 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 setting them up for failure, and that's not what you want. That's not what the student wants. So that that's always been an aspect of of these accelerated programs. I, I've never understood, but uh, there has been a situation um, in the school that I was in. This exact thing happened, where um, a friend of mine who was struggling with the knowledge portion of their uh, multi-engine commercial check ride. And they they said to their um, to the school and said, look, I, you know, you have a you have me scheduled for Monday. I, I just don't know if I'm going to be ready for that. And they were told, well, you know, sp- slots are limited. Uh, check ride slots are limited. If you don't show up for your check ride, you'll be expelled from the program. And it was just that simple. Um, it, you don't show up, you don't get the check ride. Well, what, what ended up happening in this situation is she showed up for the check ride. She told the examiner. I'm not ready, and he said, "Okay, then we're not doing the check ride." He was a good examiner; he didn't he didn't fail her. But um, it, you do get pushed a lot, and you have to be prepared for that. You have to be open to um, 
flying when you uh, not were, weren't necessarily expecting it, such as on the weekends, things like that. But yeah, you do definitely seem to be pressured into getting things done very quickly. And, and you do have to learn to stand up for yourself. Part of that, I think the pressure is efficiency and, uh, you know, they have limited resources. And they want to get you done as quick as possible. They also want to make sure their numbers are correct because to get their license, especially in a 141 school, they have to have a certain pass rate. Uh, and, you know, the more people you put through, actually, those numbers can go up just uh, just out of luck. You know, there's a certain percentage of people that, that do pass, you know, whether the training is good or bad. But uh, to add to your comment, we at the flight school I went to, the accelerated school, they had a, a person, they called them uh, two times something. If, you know, I won't mention the first name, but meaning that every check ride they had to do two times. Uh, mm. One of the things I don't like about that and the disadvantage there to some of these schools that put you th- push you through is the fact that, you know, having multiple failures uh, will actually make you unavailable for and not meet the requirements for certain programs at certain uh, schools and airlines. A good example, I'll give you one, SkyWest Airlines. They have that cadet program at certain schools uh, that you can go through. Well, you can't have more than three failures to be able to actually go through. If you have, I think it's three or more than three. I can't remember it right now. But uh, you, if you have more than three, you're not going to be able to be in that program. And that's why it's you're not doing any service to somebody by pushing them through and, and making them fail. You just you want them to pass. I've always wanted my students to pass. One of the cool things about not going to a, a flight school, an accelerated program, is that the flight instructor, especially if there's someone like myself who wants every single person to pass, is not going to sign you off. So that's the advantage of not going to a, an accelerated flight school or one of the disadvantages. It's a good way to say that. Uh, so I think that's really, really important point there. So what are some of the other disadvantages of going through an accelerated program? Well, unfortunately, one of the ones I, I, I had to discover um, personally on my own. I when I started this program, I was uh, I loved it. I was having an amazing time. But what I realized looking back is that I I started with doing my private certificate over, so I didn't need to necessarily be prepared for a check ride because I wasn't going to have one for that private phase. I already had my 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 certificate, so um, it was a lot more relaxed to start off with. Now when I realized uh, instrument and, and further on that I actually had to know all this material and I was going to be tested on it. Um, I realized I needed to spend a lot more time studying and that's one of the issues here with, with these accelerated programs. Well, with some of them at least is that a lot of, a lot of the teaching or the, the learning, it takes place on your own and it's a lot of, a lot of self study. There is very limited ground, um, between you and your instructor they do some group grounds, um, and there there is definitely time where you spend, um, you know, ground school with your instructor. But I find it to be a lot more limiting, or limited. I I did my private phase uh, back 20 years ago. I know things have changed a little bit, but um, I remember I would go in, um, and I would spend an hour learning things on the ground, and then I go up and I do a flight. Okay, and that's that's kind of how it went every single day. Um, a, a typical day in an accelerated program, you show up. Um, you go straight to the aircraft, you do your, your hour to hour flight, you come back, you do a debrief and then they tell you, here's what we're going to cover tomorrow. And you go home and you study, or you stay there at the school and you study. So a, a lot of the, the onus is on the individual to learn the material. So that's, that's a problem for people like myself who th- they don't necessarily have a lot of free time or they have a lot of things going on in their life where, 
this sort of self-study um, atmosphere isn't necessarily good for them. So um, like myself, I have to take my kids to school every morning. I have to pick them up from school every day. That limits the, 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 the block of time that I have to study. And that was a big problem for me when it, when it came to you know, studying for check rides. It became very stressful. Um, it became very tense around the house until the check ride was over. Uh, the day I, you know, passed the check ride, I come home and apologize to everybody. You know, sorry for the last couple of days. I was not very nice to anybody, but I'm past. You know, so now we can chill out. Um, so, it, you know, if you're someone who has a lot of commitments, another job that you you just can't get away from, you you really have to consider what you're getting into here. And I, unfortunately for me, um, I, I found that out a little too late. And it became very difficult towards the end of the program for me to commit the time to study. And that's something that's uh, similar with an airline is that a lot of times they do have a lot of self-study um, and maybe not to the level you're, you're talking about. So there's kind of – that's a, a disadvantage uh, with working with an accelerated program. It's also uh, – Maybe, maybe could be a bit of an advantage or, or help you get ready for an airline that has a lot of self-study. But to, with that, to that end, uh, you know, it is a little bit more difficult, especially when you're, you're building on something new and something so important. These are foundational skills. And we're not talking about, you know, adding a rating, adding a type rating, et cetera. These are foundational skills that I feel you really should t- take some time with. One of the advantages to these collegiate programs is, like you said, I mean, you're spending years, three, four years working on your your ratings when you go to uh whether it's not a a a program on the internet it's a whole semester of going over weather Uh, and and obviously that's going to be a much different learning experience uh, both those ways that's why um you know kind of as we talk a little bit more about certain disadvantages of a of the accelerated flight training uh, one of the big ones that i've experienced and i'd like to hear what you say dan is uh, and this isn't happening as much because there's new laws in place but some of these accelerated programs i've seen actually people get involved and sign up and they go out of business, and now you're stuck. You're stuck with the bill, even though you didn't get the training. That's gone away quite a bit, uh, just because of uh, some of the new laws that have been put in place. But there, it's happening again. Uh, there are some schools, unscrupulous schools, that are going bankrupt and uh, not really returning the money. Dan, I'm wondering if you've heard of people having that experience. I know uh, in your experience it hasn't happened, but I was wondering if you know of anybody. Uh, not personally relating to this, but in fact, you, you bring up a really good point. Something I didn't, I didn't um, think about, um, and, and I'm really glad you did because one one of the things uh, regarding these accelerated programs, and I know there are there are a lot of different types of accelerated programs out there. So mo- most of what I talk to or talk about is from my experience with the one that I went to, but uh, so, so it could be different, is what I'm saying. But um, one of the things about these programs is it's you you. You sign up and you sign a contract that you're going to fulfill your agreement with this company to go through the entire program. And what you pay for, the amount of money you put in, let's say you know, it costs you $75,000, that, that's going to cover um, all the flight hours that are necessary for each certificate, et cetera. They don't, they don't charge you by flight hour. They kind of charge you by certificate earned. And if you were to, and this is stated in the contract, if you were to be expelled from the program, and I think potentially, I'd have to check this, if you resign from the program, you're going to then be charged at um, at a rate per flight hour. And it's going to be much, much more expensive than if you were to break down your flight hours of what you actually paid. So so what I'm saying is, is you may have 
you gone into the program and and you think okay well i i've paid for x number of dollars i'm going to you know be refunded the remainder well you're actually going to be refunded less than the kind of what you would have left over that's so that's something really to consider if you are not completely sure that you can fully commit to the program and complete it that that may be um that may be something you don't want to do adding to that dan another side of that coin is if you're somebody that feels like they didn't need all the training uh you know i kind of felt that way when i did my cfi i was like oh my gosh you know i could have done this cheaper going to my local flight school it just uh the reason i went they had the examiner everything was ready to go but i spent twice as much as i was going to spend at my local flight school because i could get the examiner the dates i wanted and i felt like i really didn't get the training but if you put in the money and you feel like, gosh, you know, I, I really didn't get much training out of this. You're not going to get that money back. It's 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 yeah. per, like you said, per course uh, you're paying yeah. for. And, and yeah. You also don't have control of of your schedule whatsoever. So it's another thing to consider. Uh, your check rides and, and the dates that you're that you're doing your check ride, it's all predetermined by by the company. It's by the local um, school that you're in. There's someone there who is in contact with the the examiners and they schedule the check rides. Okay, I have a slot at Friday at 10. Well, I have a student who will be should be ready Friday at 10. There there it is. You're in that slot. You have no control at all whatsoever. Um so, you know, it's another thing to consider. It's you you lose all control and and and, and again, you mentioned this this is preparing for your your career in airlines. You definitely have a lot of things in the airline industry that you don't have control over. So, uh, you know, it, it goes both ways there, too. With the accelerated flight training, one of the things that we have to mention, too, is lots of people use this not just for careers. Look at people that go out and get, say, their glider rating, some people that go out and get their seaplane rating. A lot of these schools that you go to to get your seaplane rating, you see them advertised, come to whatever seaplane base, and you will get your rating in a day or two days, and you'll be done. And that's cool. You get to put that stamp on your on your certificate, but do you feel you're a proficient pilot? Do you think you're a proficient, like, let's take seaplane, for instance, because there's so many seaplane flight schools around me right now. Uh, if you get that stamp on your certificate, you may want to continue on with some flight training after you get your certificate. doesn't necessarily mean you're a proficient pilot, but then again, we always say that your license is a license to learn, no matter what level you're at. It doesn't matter. So uh, you do see a lot of these programs, and, and I did it myself. I did it with uh, my multi-engine. I went away, did a couple days, and did my multi-commercial and my multi-CFI in three days uh, and got it done and came back. And there's a lot of those type of programs. So uh, when we say accelerated training, there's there's some schools that place you into a training program like you have done, Dan, where you've gone soup to nuts. Uh, you have to be actually dovetailed. And then there's those other ones that are, are ones where you can get just ratings and to actually get some there. In, you know, say you want to become a double I. They'll come to your house even, and they'll do mm. some flight training, that type of thing. So there's kind of a two, there, it's a little more nuanced with some of these ones that do the specific ratings, isn't it, Dan? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, well, we definitely don't have seaplanes out here in Las Vegas, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely something to consider. I I don't have any experience with um, you know getting uh, separate ratings like that, but it's definitely something I have considered. Though um, I hear that you know getting your um, your tailwheel aircraft rating um, 
is is a really good idea if if it's um, something you could uh, afford and have the time for, because it really does teach you a lot of good stick and router skills. I think you talked about that mm-hmm. actually on one of your recent podcasts, and it's always something I've considered doing. Um, I don't know if it's something I, I I could do, but I would I would definitely be interested in one of those accelerated programs to do that. Yeah. So now we've gone through this accelerated training and we've talked about some of the advantages and disadvantages. And I think, I think we've gone over all the points that we wanted to make. Uh, one of the things that's important, though, is after you do the training, you need to get a job. And yeah. uh, just a, a comment uh, and a question I hear all the time from people, well, what if I go to one of these accelerated flight schools? What are the recruiters going to think? Now, that's a pretty broad question, though. So let's break that down onto what do you mean by recruiters, first of all. Do you mean airline recruiters? Well, airline recruiters, by the time you get to the airline, et cetera, uh, and you have all those hours, you've probably been flight instructing, you've done some type of other flying. So it really is something that you have to look at and say, hey, is this a big deal? And eh, not really if you have a lot of other experience because you're not going to just go right to an airline after getting your ratings. Those days are kind of over. Uh, so now you have to get your hours in. So they're going to look at your last job more than anything else. They're not really going to look at the training as much. Let's talk about other kinds of recruiters. Let's talk about recruiters uh, for the jobs that you're going to need after you get out of an accelerated program. That's a little bit more important, I think, as far as a topic. I wouldn't worry about the airlines, is, I guess the summary I should say. Uh, there, when you're looking at a job, I, I know certain flight schools that won't hire from certain accelerated programs. And there's two reasons. Number one, they don't feel the training is good. Number two, they're a competitor. So you can kind of erase the part where they're a competitor because they're doing it because that's a competitor that they've had to deal with. But let's go to the point where they feel that they have not uh, received really good training and they have had bad experience with flight instructors coming from, a say, a specific accelerated program. That is something that you have to deal with. And if you are looking at a school that you want to work for and they have a uh, actually a bad taste in their mouth from a specific accelerated program, it might be advantageous for you not to go to, say, that accelerated program. Maybe another one, but not that specific one. I do know uh, a local flight school here that will not hire from a specific accelerated program. Actually, there's two of them. The other one has to do with the fact that they're competitors. And so so that I kind of discount that because, of course, they're competing there. So that's something to, to look at there. Now, Dan, I know you, you can't really speak towards the recruiters. And, not, you know, like I said, it's not that big of a deal. We have uh, folks at the airlines that have gone through accelerated programs have done really well because they've had other jobs in between. How about uh, from your experience with the people that you've worked with uh, as far as moving on to other jobs, what has that been like How for those folks that are your friends now that are at the school? Sure. I, I, for the most part, the people that I know that have moved on um, are the instructors from my school. Um, one of them went through uh, the, they call it the cadet program, the um, – uh, it's not really a flow through program, but it's like a sponsorship, right? From from the uh, regional airline, so they they got their fifteen hundred hours um, instructing at the flight school, and then went on, um, you know, to that particular uh, regional that they decided to go to. Um, those folks have been happy for the most part. Um, I'm very jealous of those people. I'd love to be in their position right now. Other people have have instructed up to five hundred, maybe seven hundred hours and have opted out of committing themselves to a regional, and they've found jobs. Uh, I know one person went to Hawaii. 
and found a, a cool job, I think, flying caravans or something like that. Um, they were open to that. And they were able to do that. So that's awesome. Um, I, another uh, one of my instructors, um, he he started out as an instructor at that school. He left because he, he didn't like the pay. And he went uh, to do uh, aerial photography and got no hours. So he came back. Um, and, and started uh, instructing again at, at a local place and, and not with the same school. Um, I have had a, another instructor who has gone uh, doing uh, scenic tours at a local company. And in fact, one of my own classmates um, had, has just been hired at the, uh, at the company that I would like to work for. And you talked about earlier, I think you mentioned this uh, kind of a lot of this industry is about knowing people. And he happens to know um, a, a good friend of the chief pilot and he was able to get, as you said, a, you know, the insurance adjustment, um, and he got hired there at 250 hours. So people are definitely out there getting jobs. I think most of the people that go through flight training and their brand new, uh, commercial pilots are just continuing on their education into the instructing, um, world and, and starting their hours there. So that's that's kind of what's in store for me. I've applied at this this um, job that my friend got hired at. I'm hoping to just get hired there. But if not, my backup is getting my uh, and just initial CFI certificate and um, and instructing until I get to the 500 hours that most people are looking for. And I think it's a great idea. It, you get your hours pretty quickly. Getting a job as a CFI is easy uh, right now because there's so many people moving on to the airlines. Yeah. Um, you talked about uh, some of these programs, so let's let's go through that. A, an advantage of going to an accelerated school is the fact that they have these partnerships with these other airlines. Well, that isn't as big of an advantage as it used to be because mm-hmm. the airlines are reaching out to all flight schools now, and they're realizing there's so many other uh, smaller schools. Usually the accelerated programs are these big flight schools. There are some smaller schools that they're reaching out towards. Uh, that is an advantage. It's, I've spoken about this before. It's also possibly a disadvantage to you psychologically more so because what happens is when you're accepted to one of these programs and you know that in another 700 hours you're going to be flying for that airline, you may close the door in your mind to other jobs and other possibilities mm-hmm. and always yep. keep keep that open. You know, Don't ever, and Dan, I know you'd agree with me, don't don't ever close the door in your mind to a job. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's definitely one of the things con- to, to consider. It's one of the reasons, um, or one of the things I had to consider when I turned down the opportunity to stay with this school. This school has tons and tons of different um, opportunities to uh, commit yourself to a regional. And that's that's the thing, is that it's, it's sort of a good and a bad situation. You might commit yourself to regional XYZ, but what that does is it closest the opportunity for you to um, you know accept this job locally that would give you hours as well um, so you, once you make that commitment they, they'll start paying you a, tu- a tuition reimbursement and that's really great if you plan on doing the CFI route because you're not making a lot of money so that tuition reimbursement from the regional is going to offset that cost for you to be able to allow you to get through your your hours as a CFI and then go to work for them but you've committed to them, and they're paying you money. So if you break that commitment, you've got to pay the money back. So that's you know that's great if you've absolutely determined what you want to do. But if you want to keep your door, your you know your your options open, um, you know you don't want to commit to that that kind of uh, um, 
that, well, that, that commitment to a regional. Yeah, there's a lot of contracts out there, aren't there? Not just for through the CFIs and through the airlines. I mean, there's a lot of those jobs, like corporate jobs, where you do commit to, say, uh, 12 or even 24 months. If they get you mm-hmm. a tight break, you're going to have to do that. And that's just a decision you'll have to make. I mean, if someone came to you and said, hey, I want you to fly my Hawker 800, and but you have to do this for 24 months, you may say yes, because that's a really cool aircraft. Uh, or you may say no, because when you find out they're only flying 100 hours a year, you're never going to get your hours for an airline. It's going to take you 10 years. <laughs> so no, it, there's, always, there's always something. There, there's always an angle, and you have to look at all the different angles. That's for sure. Uh, and, Dan, hopefully you have some more time. I know we've gone over our time, but this is a really good oh, conversation. Sure. Uh, there's a couple of things we I think would help uh, some of the people listening right now. And that's one of the things is not just finding jobs afterwards because you do have that big network. Another good thing about working for a big school and accelerated programs a lot of times are bigger is that you have so many friends that are out there working in the field. And you just mentioned it. Networking is so important. And you know somebody went on to another job and you're able to possibly get in the door there because of that. And everybody has that advantage working for a big school. It's like going to one of these big colleges. But how about working? Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Working as a flight instructor, as a at one of these accelerated programs. What are some of the? Well, what's it like? Is it, what are the advantages and disadvantages of working at an accelerated program? Sure. The I, I think there's there's two really good um, examples of, on, for an advantage and disadvantage. I I think the main advantage of sticking with your school. Well, there's two things really. Is is one you're at some of these some of these schools you're going to get all of your CFI certificates right off the bat. So you're going to get your initial, your double I, and your MEI, and so you're going to be able to instruct in any aircraft with any student. Um, you're not limited at all what you can do out there. So that 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 gives you the ability to you know gain your hours faster. So you're going to get all those done really quickly. So that's I think that's a great advantage. The other thing is is that you've already spent the last six to nine months at this school. You know how they operate. You know their their um, infrastructure, but you know the um, online their training and all this kind of stuff. You're familiar with it, so you can kind of jump right back in and, and turn around and start teaching people because you understand the process of it. So that's definitely an advantage of sticking with the school. The 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 disadvantage though that I've I've noticed is that. At these larger accelerated programs, you're you're giving up the um, the financial benefit of being a CFI. Um, a lot of these larger outfits are, are paying you a lot less than what you could get at a, at a smaller um, uh, local flight school or um, flying club, something like that. So they're going to be paying you maybe half or even less than that. So. But then you, you you got the tuition reimbursement maybe that's coming in to offset that, but you're definitely going to struggle financially. In fact, and the, I I was stunned to discover this when I spoke to uh, that that uh, instructor of mine who went to aerial photography photography and then came back. He qualified for um, federal uh, assistance. Uh, they call it Medicaid here in Nevada. He actually qualified for Medicaid based on his income as a CFI. That's how terrible the pay was. At this particular school, and I, I couldn't believe that, you know. So I, I bought him lunch that day. I felt so bad for him, <laughs> you know. I was like, uh, "That's that's really bad," and it's it's almost like taking advantage of you because these people they they've got to get their hours. So you got to consider that, you know. You may you may actually get more money and be and be able to live a better lifestyle, um, maybe at a smaller place. Or and I know our local flying club, you know, offers a really good rate for CFIs because they can't find them right now. 
CFIs at a lot of the local schools are also, they're recruited uh, by instructors and owners of schools that they want people that are going to stay for a long time. They want people that are going to be happy. So they're going to give you things. I mean, when I was a flight instructor, I had health benefits, really good pay. As a matter of fact, it took me like years to, to actually equal the pay I made at, uh, at a flight school. It's amazing, uh, the difference. And and just to give you an idea, I know we talked a little bit about this, Dan, but we're sometimes talking $30 an hour difference at, mm-hmm. between some of the bigger schools, accelerated schools, and working as a CFI at a regular uh, smaller school or one that's possibly associated, say, with a with a, a university, that type of thing. So it's really it's a, a big difference. And that is uh, it's a tough one, especially if you're having to pay the rent. If you're not paying the rent, someone else is. It's a, it's a different story, that's for sure. Uh, so yeah. you're just looking at your hours. But remember, in the old days, it was like you always starred for the first few years. I don't believe in that. I think you should get paid for, for your job. And, and that's, you're, like you said, they're taking advantage of the situation, but it's an easy sell. I can say to you, hey, you're going to get a thousand hours in a year so you got to come over here and and flight instruct it's an it's an easy sell for the flight school that's for sure that is for sure um yeah but so i wanted to make one other comment about that because there, there is one other thing that is um sort of a trend i've been saying i haven't gone to every single uh you know fight school uh in association with this school but here locally we've had a major issue with uh, the student to teacher ratio so you have to really look into that as well. Um, just because you get to be a CFI at, at that school doesn't mean you're going to get a lot of hours. People are averaging maybe 40 at the most here right now because they have a guaranteed job as a CFI from this school. So you have everyone who graduates the school becomes a CFI. You're going to need you know, five times as many students starting the program. Well, we don't have that many students starting the program. So we have this sort of ballooned um, – situation going on with so many uh, uh, instructors. So that's also something to consider. That's a great point. And when you go into certain schools, I mean, you're you're out there right away starting to make money. Now, no matter where you go, you have to build your clientele uh, because there's that seniority and everything. And the people that are there that are established are going to have students. But with that said, you really, like you said, I mean, if you're only getting 40 hours, there's so many other opportunities to make double that even. Uh, so that that's a very, very good point that you made there. Also working a, as a CFI at the accelerated schools, some of the advantages, of course, are your friends are getting jobs, just like we talked about, and you have that networking opportunity. So uh, that is one advantage of, of being a CFI at some of these schools because you have a lot of a lot of people there. It's just a volume issue, that's all. Um, yep. But, uh, you're also getting a lot of multi-engine hours there, uh, <laughs> especially at these larger schools. You're going to get a lot of more multi-time. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because at certain of these accelerated programs, accelerated schools, and they're the same whether they're big or small, they're people that are instructing there. A lot of times they don't expect them to be there more than a year, year and a half. They have their mm-hmm. chiefs and their assistant chiefs. They usually hang out because they love instructing. A lot of them have other jobs or airline pilots, et cetera. But the people that are there, they're going to be out the door soon. So they're always looking for new recruits. That's for yeah. sure. And they know they can pay low because you're going to get a bunch of multi-time and uh, mm-hmm. a bunch of time in general. Um, one of the things that be, before we – I think we know the advantages of being a CFI and accelerated school and disadvantages uh, yeah. is how does someone go about – and I get this question often, Dan – how do you find some of these accelerated trainings? Uh, first of all, the kind that you start soup to nuts, uh, you know, in other words, from private all the way to commercial pilot. Uh, what do they call that? Zero to hero, I think is the term yeah. they use a lot. And then also how about the ones that are specific for ratings? So I'll let you address the one as far as uh, the larger schools, the, the zero to hero type school. 
Sure. Uh, well, the the way I found out about it is I was speaking with a first officer at the airline I worked for as a flight attendant. Uh, we had this enormous amount of ground time with a broken aircraft, and I just said, hey, you know what? I've always wanted to be a pilot. What's it take? And he's like, well, you know what? I have a friend who just went through this program. I've never heard of this program. So I looked it up, and I, and I thought, oh, my gosh. I could actually do this because my understanding of it was it's going to take a long time. And I'm like, well, I don't have a long time, so I never considered it. So um, I, I think what we're doing right now is we're educating people out there that that there are accelerated programs that can get them through their ratings very quickly. Um, to find out about it, um, I, I always say on my, on my podcast, um, I have a really good friend, and her name is Google. And <laughs> you ask her any question, I mean, she always has an answer for you. It never fails. So if and and we we talk about maybe trying to find one in your area. Um, first thing to do is just Google accelerated fight school, and then put in your city name. And that's what I did. I went to Las Vegas. I went on to um, just Google. I said accelerated fight school Las Vegas Nevada, and it comes up with all the fight schools. Okay, so then I went to each airport and I spoke to the instructor or the owner or whoever was there at the desk. And I said, you know, here's what I'm looking for. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. What do you have to offer? And so they give me a sheet that says, here's what we offer. Or, you know, go online, look at our program online. Some of them offered accelerated programs. They were just different. They didn't offer the same type of funding or they didn't have multi-engine aircraft. So that came out of there. So I think just going out and doing the legwork yourself, um, search on Google, go out and, and look in your local area. You'll find what's out there. Another great resource, I, I love mentioning these people because I'm actually going to be with them for a few days, is AOPA. They have a flight mm -hmm. training magazine and a directory of all those different uh, flight schools out there. And I love what you said about Google. If you just type that in, you do it does. It pops up. As you were saying it, I pulled it up, and sure enough, all the different ones in my area came up. There's not yeah. a lot, but there's, there's enough. There's about maybe five or so. Uh, so that's a great idea. Same thing with your looking for accelerated training. Uh, I love AOPA for those specific ratings. You want to become a seaplane pilot. Uh, you want to get your aerobatic type of uh, training, uh, and you or you want to just go out and get your multi-engine training or training in a, a specific type of airplane. They're a great resource for that. And I think that's a, a great place to start. And of course, this podcast because we also talk about it. All these different podcasts that are out there, Accelerated Flight School. You know, there's all sorts of many different podcasts that, that help you move forward in your career. And I think that's really important to really get out there and talk to people. Gosh, Dan, this has been great. Uh, and I was wondering, is there anything else we need to mention as far as we talked about the pros and the cons? Have, have we covered everything that you can think of? I, I definitely think we've, we've made a big dent in things. I, I, <laughs> I just have one, one other thing to say, because I, I, people who listen to my podcast, they've seen a trend of being really excited down to being really disappointed, and um, I don't want to discourage people from, you know, looking into accelerated fight schools. Your your experience may be completely different than mine. And you can go out there and you can see all these testimonials about how wonderful people the experiences people have had. So I think if you go through, you look at the funding, agent time, other commitments, all these different aspects of of the programs, um, you can determine if that program's right for you. I think really. The big picture is if you can commit the time and you know that you're going to be able to spend four, three to four hours a day, every day, studying, um, and you're going to be able to be available any day of the week that they tell you to be available, you're going to do fine in this program. But if you're someone like myself who has a lot of other commitments and they, they would rather 
go to their daughter's soccer practice than study for their their um, check ride the next day. <laughs> Not that that happened. Um, <laughs> um, you're going you're going to be really stressed out, and you're going to struggle with the program, and your your opinion about the program is going to to you know deflate a little bit. So. Um, it, this program might be right for you. Don't don't definitely uh, put it down because it sounds intimidating. Great advice. And Dan, I know you have some great advice on your website. So if you don't mind, tell us where we can find you. If someone has a question, et cetera, of course, you can write in here, feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast, and we'll forward on to Dan. But Dan, you can be found all over the internet. Yeah, I think if you just search Ginger Dan Pilot, you're gonna you're gonna find a bunch of uh, places that I exist on the internet. But back to Google, um, <laughs> yeah, back to Google exactly. Uh, AcceleratedFlightSchoolPodcast.com is the best place to go. Uh, each post, each time I post an episode, it's gonna have all the links right there for um, you know how to get in contact with me. Facebook.com/slash/GingerDanPilot, Twitter.com/slash/GingerDanPilot. Um, so that's going to be associated with my um, uh, podcast, Accelerated Fight School, podcast.com. Now, I, I will have to say, bef- even though I'm done with my my fight training, I do plan on continuing this podcast. In fact, I've mentioned in my last episode, I, I plan on starting a new podcast. I'm in the very beginning phases of doing that. I, I'm working on picking out a name and getting ideas of what I'm going to do with that podcast. But it's going to be more of a general aviation podcast, kind of like the Stuck Mike Avcast maybe We'll talk about different aspects of aviation, go into the flight attendant stuff because I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm uh, associated with that as well. So, you know, st- stick with me at acceleratedflightschoolpodcast.com and, and we'll, I'll give you updates and I'll tell you about the new podcast when it comes out. Awesome. And I think my first guest will be Carl Valeri. Oh, gosh, Dan, I'd be, that would be a pleasure. I'd love to be on. I'd love <laughs> talking general aviation, that's for sure. And, of course, Thanks. Dan, we'll have to have you on the Stuck Mike Avcast. And uh, you've been a real inspiration to a lot of people, and I think that's terrific, Dan. And one of the things that I've, I've liked is the fact that in your journey, you've been very transparent, which is really important to me. And honest, you've said as much as you're allowed to say, which is terrific on the podcast without getting any kind of trouble from whomever you're working for, working with right now. And I think that's that's wonderful. And I think that's important if you're listening to this and, and you're out there on the internet and you are having a terrible experience, be careful. Think twice before you start posting and uh, take Dan as an example of using restraint, uh, you know, because some days you're going to have bad days. It's not the internet you should turn to when you need to rant, uh, you know. And that's that's a really, really important point I want to make just because of an experience I've been dealing with lately with a, somebody I'm coaching. Uh, but it really, it, Dan, this is such a neat industry. It's so much fun. You've been in a, a flight attendant, and I have a lot of people that are thinking of becoming a flight attendant, which uh, we're gonna, I'd love to have you back on just to talk about that because we do all aviation careers. And, uh, and there's a lot of scholarships. There's lots of schools you can go to. There's lots of different experiences and uh, different advantages, disadvantages of being a flight attendant. And and uh, I think it's it's just a wonderful job. I mean, you get to see some really cool things. Oh, it's an amazing job. It's 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 basically what you do as an airline pilot without the pay. Um, that's the major disadvantage. Um, you, you live the same lifestyle, and the job is very very easy. Uh, you do have to put up with people sometimes. Well, I mean, every day you do have to, but you meet some amazing people and you have some amazing experiences. I, it's really hard for me to give up that job. I, I'm only doing it because I'm going to get back into it as a pilot. It is an absolutely wonderful uh, career, and I, I would love to share my experiences and, and my uh, insight on, on that career as well with you and your and your listeners. Awesome. So we'll definitely have you back on to talk about that. And also, obviously, keep us up to date as to your progress, and we'll, we'll definitely 
have you back on. And uh, next time you're on, you may be flying for an airline. I'm not sure yet. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't think it's going to happen that quick, but you never know. You never know. Um, but uh, again, thanks for being on, Dan. I really appreciate you. And, uh, you know, check out the podcast there, Accelerated Flight School Podcast. It's a neat podcast, very informative. The other thing, too, we, have it, uh, we haven't done in, uh, in the past episode was our pick of the week. We like to have a pick of the week. One of my pick of the week, and uh, Dan, I didn't ask you to have one ready for us, but uh, it's usually like a website, a video, etc. My pick of the week is our Facebook page over at the Polk State Flight Team. I'm actually the coach of the flight team. We're going to be competing in Auburn, Alabama. When this comes out, I actually will be in the competition uh, our first day. Actually, we will be in our meeting uh, the first day of the competition, which is on Monday. That's when this comes out. But look at our flight uh, our flight team's Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Polk State Flight Team. I have a link to it. There's something that's really cool in there, and search out the history of NIFA because people don't know what the National Intercollegiate Flight Association is. It goes back to right after World War One. They started competing amongst different colleges, and uh, some of the ones that started were like Columbia and Yale. They had some people that came from from the Navy and uh, from different Air Force and and did some flying afterwards as a hobby, but also uh, to further their career. And back in the 1920s, in 1920s, as a matter of fact, the person that uh, actually took first place uh, was a naval aviator, and his name was Juan Tripp, and he started an airline later on called Pan American Airways. And Pan Am uh, became iconic when uh, aviation in the United States. So that was the first person to win that uh, competition. And there's some really cool things about Mitchell Field and the start and where we've come so far with the uh, SafeCon and with the events. Uh, so find out more there at uh, facebook.com slash uh, Polk State Flight Team. And Dan, again, thanks for coming here at your website one more time. Yep, it's acceleratedflightschoolpodcast.com. Acceleratedflightschoolpodcast.com. We'll put that also down as a pick of the week. And, uh, folks, if you're listening right now, make sure you do something today to move forward in your career. No matter what it is, it's something small. Use Google. Get on Google, like Dan says, and find something. Find something that will help you move forward in your career, whether it's an accelerated program. If you're looking for a multi-engine rating and you want to do it in an expeditious manner, look for accelerated multi-engine training in whatever city you live in, and you'll find a listing. Also look towards like AOPA and the magazines, other blogs, podcasts, YouTube channels. There's a lot of people out there that want to help you move forward in your career. We'll talk to you next episode, and stay flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.